0: In recent years, there has been growing concern about overdose deaths caused by drugs that are mixed or created with substances the consumers aren't anticipating, most notably fentanyl. In order to save lives, progressive activists and some Democratic lawmakers want to ensure New Yorkers have a better understanding of what they're actually consuming and to gain that information without a potential criminal consequence. For more on this issue, we're joined by Jasmine Budnella, Director of Drug Policy for Vocal NY, an advocacy organization where working to end the AIDS epidemic, war on drugs, mass incarceration, and homelessness. Welcome to the show, Jasmine.
1: Thanks for having me, David.
0: So for starters, how big of a concern are foreign substances in drugs? And do we have a good sense of what is out there right now?
1: Yeah, so we know we're at the height of uh, an unrelenting overdose crisis. And the drug supply right now is incredibly unstable. We don't have recent data not only one on overdose deaths but also really the data lags so significantly at the state level we're still waiting for finalized overdose death data from 2022 and at the city level we haven't seen any overdose data for all of 2023 why that's concerning is the way that we currently know what's inside the drug supply is really in three ways is one when somebody passes away and we get toxicology reports Two, when law enforcement does buy-in bust, and three, drug seizures. And obviously, we know all of those ways are not ways to address a public health crisis through evidence-based public health solutions. And so what's really critical is our ability to know what's inside the drug supply so that we can respond through public health means. We're really excited to see just in late October, the Department of Health at the state level is piloting drug checking in Albany area, in Rochester, in the Hudson Valley area, in Long Island. And the reason why that's important is we know that the drug supply changes frequently and also throughout areas. Here in New York City, there's a pilot in the Bronx, in Brooklyn, at the two overdose prevention centers in Manhattan, and also another location in Manhattan, And all of those different results are coming out differently, and that's important for us to be able to not only inform people what they're consuming inside their drugs, but also to really have that feedback loop of public health so that we can respond. We can respond with a public health solution instead of waiting for years of data to tell us what was in the supply last year.
0: So I imagine a meaningful drug-checking program has to include a couple different elements. One, it has to be a place where people feel comfortable going. Two, it has to give meaningful uh, information, and it has to also be accessible to to people. So how do you go about accomplishing all of those items, and what are some other elements from your perspective of a high-functioning drug-checking operation?
1: Um, When we are talking about drug checking here, and there's a great bill that has been introduced by Senator Fernandez and Assemblymember Kellis, we're talking about drug checking technology that goes beyond what is really accessible in the community right now, and that's fentanyl testing strips. You know, it's become more and more accessible to be able to stop into places, pharmacies, syringe service programs, even treatment providers are now having fentanyl testing strips on hand. The difference between drug checking technology and fentanyl testing strips, fentanyl testing strips will only tell you if your substances are positive or negative for fentanyl, which only goes so far. The drug checking technology that the Department of Health and the Department of Health at the New York City level are piloting will not only tell you if fentanyl is inside your substances or other substances, that may be inside the drugs that you may be consuming, but it will go so far to tell you the percentage. And that's really important to have that in places where we know people who use drugs will be able to to access. So all of the pilots are being piloted through syringe service programs where we're really meeting participants right where they're at to be able to have those conversations around what is in their supply that they're consuming. And that's important for us to get to the granular level down to the percentage, because it's important for people to have strategies to be able to know how to consume, to stay alive. It's also that they may be consuming something that they did not know that's what they bought. So overarchingly, uh, it's really great to have these programs really accessible to the people who need them the most. Um, you know, we know that uh, participants of syringe service programs um, often know that fentanyl is inside their substance, fentanyl has been very heavily in the supply um, in New York for a very long time, but the percentage is also important for, for folks to know in, in the ability for them to be able to, to build out um, ways that they can prepare themselves prior to using
0: well, before we move on, let me reintroduce you. For listeners uh, just joining us, uh, we're speaking with Jasmine Budnella. They're the director of drug policy for Vocal NY, and we're talking about drug checking services in New York. And the programs you mentioned so far are either state-run pilots, or they're, in the case of the New York City Overdose Prevention Centers, part of a, a nonprofit outreach. So does the current landscape of rules and, and regulations does that allow just anyone to begin offering drug checking services or does the, the legislation you talk about uh, pave the way for uh, a consequence- free uh, drug checking landscape?
1: Yeah, you know, last year, it was encouraging to hear from Governor Hochul uh, that through the state of the state that she wanted to expand drug checking technology. That's great. Uh, We agree. The more information that we have in a public health setting and a public health feedback loop is really, really important in our ability to keep, uh, you know, people informed, being able to make the right decisions and then also uh, to keep people safe and alive we are really looking for, unfortunately, because of the war on drugs, we often see really incredible public health measures uh, that often have a a component within the penal code of the state uh, that doesn't align. And, you know, at Vogel, we fought 11 years to decriminalize a public health tool, syringes, took us 11 years to do that. And at the one hand, the state was paying for people to be able to Um, you know, supply sterile syringes to people to prevent um, HIV, hepatitis C. The state was paying people to do that. And on the other hand, the the penal code (laughs) was offering a mechanism for criminalization. So as we want to make sure through this bill that we're ensuring that you know, public health is public health and it should remain in the public health sphere. And as we continue to roll out more drug checking technology, um, and it sounds like the governor, you know, this is something that she wants to do, that we're ensuring that places, um, so organizations, uh, the drug checking technicians and people who are checking their drugs are not at risk of criminal, uh, civil administrative penalties as well as similar to syringe service programs can be offered this service anonymously. And that's important so that we can make sure that people feel safe and good being able to check their drugs, as well as we keep this information in the public health sphere so that we can respond and create infrastructures to be able to understand what's happening on the ground. So this bill would also make sure that all the information that's gathered around what's inside the supply across the state cannot be used as evidence.
0: Well, speaking of the information that is gleaned from drug checking, it obviously has a a relevant role for the individual who's going to consume those drugs. But I have to imagine the broader community could benefit from the information that's gleaned from that drug checking. For example, if the drugs have uh, high levels of xylazine or, or, or fentanyl, maybe there's an interest in asking that individual where the drugs were purchased. And maybe trying to get at the source of that contamination, or maybe it's just sending an alert that uh, the contaminated drugs are out there. So what other uses, if any, do you see for the information that is uh, gained from the drug checking?
1: Yeah, and one thing I should mention is Vocal also runs a syringe service program in here in downtown Brooklyn. Um, we are one of the pilots of, of drug checking um, at the city level and it's been really, really effective. Um, add to your point, being able to talk to people who are using, but also really to alert the broader community, right? We know, uh, you know, our, our folks who come receive services here also have communities outside of, of our services. And so what you are mentioning, I think less so about, hey, who are you getting this from? Because that opens the door uh, for some of the really intense uh, backwards and unhelpful bills that we often see around drug-induced homicide laws, which does nothing to really impact through a public health lens the unrelenting overdose crisis. But instead, what you know we see and we do is bad batch alerts. So we will spread the word that, hey, we're seeing a couple of samples come up with really high levels of fentanyl, and this is what that looks like. Um, you know, it it would be incredible for public health messaging um, to be getting out to the community, not in a scare tactic way, not in, hey, everybody, uh, let's freak out, more in, hey, everybody, let's be safe. Uh, we are identifying areas of the city, areas of the state where there are high levels of fentanyl and or uh, we're noticing trends of xylazine. And I think further is to your point, not only alerting people through public health, just like we do in other situations of public health, is also having more resources get to the ground in those areas. Um, And obviously, if we continue to go down this road where we're at, right, we can do some of the things that we are talking about drug checking, which I think everybody who consumes substances should check their drugs, but we also need to ensure that people have places to go uh, to stay alive as well and receive more services than just being able to tell them if uh you know their drugs are are coming up with high percentages of ah uh, fentanyl and or xylazine, and so it's encouraging to see the governor really utilize this technology that is really 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 important in the public health arena and it's really discouraging to see another year of her signaling that she's going to reject the opiate settlement board's recommendations to expand overdose prevention centers Um, the two centers in new york city are leading the nation and have saved over a thousand people's lives and since 2020, uh, which this data, right, I, I talked about how data lags, um, and we're getting our data from the CDC. Since 2020, over 17,480 New Yorkers have passed away from a preventable overdose.
0: Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. We've been speaking with Jasmine Budnella, they're the director of drug policy for Vocal NY. Jasmine, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, David.
0: And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show.
1: Your business, agency, or service interested in delivering your message to more than two dozen radio stations statewide carrying Capital Press Room? If so, visit CapitalPressRoom.org to contact our underwriting team.